Hello, ladies and gentlemen, boys and girls, and welcome to Everything We Love About Disney, the Disney podcast with the description in the name because it's where we talk about everything we love about Disney. As always, I'm one of your hosts, Tommy T, alongside my wife and co-host, Gina. Hola, everyone. Oh, perfect. That's very nice. Bienvenidos a la <laughs> podcast. Sorry, my, my Spanish is spotty at best, but that is a hint that today we're talking about the Mexico Pavilion at Epcot, and this is actually going to be the beginning of a whole Epcot series. We're going to do, at a minimum, all the World Showcase Pavilions, and then we're probably going to extend that to some Future World and other Epcot kind of stuff. Epcot's probably our favorite park overall to experience. Would you agree? I would indeed. So we're going to kind of just go through pavilion by pavilion and explore the history, the detail, the attractions, the entertainment, the shopping, and most importantly, the food that can be found at each of these pavilions. So just to add to that, we're thinking about, you know, some of the topics that we wanted to cover in our next podcast. And while we've been away because of the pandemic and just travel restrictions and all of that, obviously we're thinking about Disney all the time. We're longing for it. We miss Walt Disney World. We miss everything about it. And more often than not, we find ourselves talking about Epcot. And as we just said, it's probably our favorite for, for many reasons, many nostalgic reasons. But we thought that it would be really fun and maybe a little different to just cover each of the pavilions and share some facts, but also um, kind of reminisce about why we like each of them. Yeah, I think that Epcot does the best job of transporting you to Disney World. I should say that I think like thinking about Epcot and listening to the music and, and looking at just pictures and videos and things like it's such a unique part. There's nothing else like it in the Disney sort of landscape of, of theme parks. So it's really a very unique place and also in itself lets you be transported to other places like countries around the world. Uh, so the first thing I want to sort of open this up with is the question that we all ask ourselves when we get to World Showcase and that's first left or right. <laughs> so as we were talking about this the other day, which way we should go around and, and we are left going people most of the time, right? Yeah, so I would say if you are starting from the front of the park, the front entrance, you're going past Spaceship Earth, you're in Future World, you're going down that that main um, path, do you take a left or do you take a right? And left, obviously, you start in Mexico, and right, you start in Canada and the UK. And I would say, for the most part, we take a left if we're coming from that entrance. Now, I grew up going to the uh, Crescent Lake hotels a lot, um, and we were staying there because we loved ending our nights by going to Epcot and having dinner there. So coming from the um, uh, International Gateway, I think we would go right more often than we would go left. So it really depends. Yeah, it makes sense going right in that direction just because you're pulled towards more countries in that direction. Yeah. And just one fun little tidbit is that uh, Mexico and Canada are on either end because they are our neighbors. The U.S. is neighbors, right? Canada and Mexico is oh, sort of... Oh, I didn't of, know that. Yeah, so America's in the, in the middle and then Mexico and Canada on either side to sort of like just the, the thinking behind the layout there. Very cool. Yeah. So, I have copious notes here. <laughs> As do I. Because I think this is one of the... It's probably the best pavilion... Um, at World Showcase, in my opinion, just in terms of the amount of stuff to experience and the level of theming 
and also just its memories and, and the way it hits for me. Um, so the first thing, let's talk about just approaching the pavilion, like what you see first, that's the, the pyramid. Yeah, so um, it's, a, it's a formidable but very impressive structure, I would say. And maybe that's why we are gravitating to it. But for context, uh, the pyramid itself is pre-Columbian and it ties in all of the ancient civilization's architectures. It's it's not any given um, style. Yeah, it's like as, a mishmash of... of uh, Aztec and Mayan and some of the other, like you said, pre-Columbian Mesoamerican cultures mm-hmm. and sort of create this hodgepodge that Disney is very, they, this is what they do a lot with a lot of different buildings where they will take a bunch of elements from things that co- coexisted to create one icon that sort of represents them all. Right. So you're up, you're up at this pyramid and th- they're painting a story for you that you were in the Yucatan jungle and um, it's very colorful and vibrant and they've changed the colors of the pyramid over the years it used to be a little more subtle but they have since made it pop a little more with reds and blues and um, certainly in recent history I don't know if you want me to cover this but uh, just say don't climb the pyramid yes there used to not be this sign but (laughs) unfortunately due to some rowdy behavior uh, someone did try to scale the pyramid in recent years, and so they now have signage that says no climbing, in case you were wondering. Yeah. Apparently, adults need to be told not to <laughs> climb a pyramid. Um, but one little bit there, I'm sure that that person was just looking to get uh, a closer look at the carvings of Quetzalcoatl, the, the <laughs> Aztec god. Um, which are those like serpent-looking things that kind of line those steps there, uh, which is a very important god in Aztec culture. And so that's their little tribute there um, to Quetzalcoatl. Yeah. So from there, you enter the pyramid and you're immediately brought into a foyer area where um, there is art gallery space. And it's very easy to walk by this space, uh, but if you really take the time to look at everything, um, it will uh, change out every so often. Um, so for example, in honor of Coco, the, the film, um, they had a Dia de los Muertos um, art, um, you know. Gallery of sorts. Yeah, yeah, yeah where, where they cover um, the meaning of the holiday and all of that. Um, and all that cool art and just the visual, the sugar skulls and all the things that go along with with that holiday, which obviously plays big into the film Coco, so it makes a lot of sense. And from there, you are brought into the Plaza de los Amigos. Plaza de los Amigos, which for the non-Spanish speakers, which we are included in, but we know a thing or two, it's... uh, Hey, I took Spanish. You took Spanish. I took... Yeah, I didn't. So, (laughs) um, but that is, of course, the Plaza of Friends, or Friendship Plaza, I guess. Mm -hmm. Yeah, yeah, Mm -hmm. so... So... uh, Immediately you are transported, and this is the best of Disney, I think, because you, even if it's a a sunny day outside, you are transported to a twilight scene and a beautiful marketplace. Yeah, so it really makes you feel like you are outdoors at night under the stars, and I love that it's just totally open. You know, there's just uh, like you're walking through a marketplace and then in the far distance you'll see another pyramid 
And this one has a background that, again, has that twilight look to it. It's got the volcano that mm -hmm. is smoking. And the colors there just pop. They're so cool and really like feels like you're looking out to the distance. And for a second, you have to be like, wait, am I? Where am I? Like, what just happened? Yeah. It's really cool. And unlike the exterior building, this is, in fact, a Mayan pyramid. Um, and there's right. a little uh, grass straw hut to the right of it. Uh, but we'll get into that when we talk about the um, attraction sure. that is in this pavilion. But um, right from the beginning, when you're in the plaza, you see this beautiful, um, you know, you walk down this kind of bridge walkway and there are... Uh, fountains on either side, uh, colorful carts and shops that are selling jewelry, pottery, uh, more of the Dia de los Muertos um, apparel and things. Um, the two stores in this area are La Tienda Encantada and La Princesa de Cristal, um, by, uh, which is glass and crystal by the Arribas brothers. So um, very unique gifts here. And um, side note, my mom is a Spanish teacher. So I loved going in here with her because she would share with me some of the cultural references. And, and um, we would oftentimes end up getting her something from um, this pavilion if she was not on the trip with us. Um, I'd also like to share more information about the artist that is sitting oh, yeah. in that area. Sure. So it's called Animales Fantásticos, which uh, loosely translates to spirit in wood. And it's handcrafted wooden creatures um, from the Jiménez family um, and Manuel Jiménez. Um, they are originally from Oaxaca, Mexico. And these are traditional Oaxacan um, art and each piece is so unique and beautiful, and you're just watching these artists create these miniature, hand-carved, hand-painted um, animals of all shapes and all sizes, and we just loved them. We would get one every trip, and uh, the lore behind these animals is that the spirit of the animal is unleashed when it comes out of the wood and when the artist is... Um, chipping away to create the animal that he's made. That's very cool. I actually didn't know all of that. So I'll have to really look at that. I mean, I know the animals you're talking about, of course. They're like this awesome exhibit there that you can see. I always, I always take notice of them, but I didn't know the sort of story behind them. So that's really neat. Yeah, so there's everything from turtles and frogs to porcupines. And to get the spikes on the porcupine, they use toothpicks. <laughs> and they even have um, like anamorphous, uh, fantastical, you know, more more deity-like uh, animals and people as well. Mm -hmm. So let's let's step onto the attraction, I think, and we can kind of circle back for okay. more for the dining. I think let's do all the dining at once. Yeah. So we'll, let's, let's step onto the attraction. The way I like to do the attraction is to take you through the original attraction there. And then we yes. can talk about what changed um, for better and worse. So, <laughs> so the original attraction there from opening day at Epcot all the way back to 1982 is El Rio del Tiempo, the River of Time. And the idea there is that you are traveling through the history of the Mexican region. 
So like Gina was saying earlier, the beginning is going past this, this authentic looking Mayan pyramid there. Did you have anything else about that? It sounded like you had another thought there about that. Um, so I actually, let me back up just a little bit. One of the other cool things about that backdrop we were talking about with the pyramid and stuff is that the boats for this ride go right in front of that. So you can actually from in the, in the plaza, you can see the ride, which is really cool. And these boats are very similar to the Pirates of the Caribbean or the It's a Small World boats. And it's sort of that slow moving boat ride that you know, you know, several other, other Disney parks have. So did you have any other thoughts about this, this sort of introductory scene? Yeah, I would just say that um, there are only a few dark rides um, in the World Showcase. So um, this is a fun, um, it was always something that we looked forward to doing. It used to be a lot sleepier back in the day, but I think people have since caught on that there is in fact an attraction in this pavilion. And when people are getting their tequila and things, they realize it's another thing to do in there. <laughs> and I do love that it's really kind of like tucked into the back corner. You really yeah. don't usually wait in a very long line, even when it is like food and wine and there is an influx of people. It's rarely more than 10 or 15 minutes. And you know, it's not this kind of thing where like some of these rides, which I love it, it's this big sign, this big line, and you have to, you know, it's really pulling you in. This is more like, oh, hey, there's like this little experience here, and you're not sure what it is. You see the boats going by, and you're sucked into it, and then you realize it's this whole experience behind the pavilion there that you're pulled through the river of time. It's, it's super cool. And I think that first scene, once you've boarded your boat and you enter the area of this lush... Uh, again, you see the pyramid, you see the straw the hut. Rainforest. Yeah, yeah. You, you really feel like, I don't know, I think it's the most exciting part. It, it, yeah. it captures your imagination. Yeah, and the other thing we didn't mention earlier about the plaza is that there's a restaurant, open air restaurant. Well, I should say it's not really open air, <laughs> but it feels like an open air restaurant. Right. And you're also going by the people who are dining there, and they're kind of looking on at the boats. It's super relaxing and entrancing sort of yeah. way to introduce a ride and to get you in the mood for it. So from there, you turn down a tunnel, and in the original version is where you get a little bit of voiceover about Mexico and its history of the pre-Columbian age. And that kind of leads you into the first sequence, which is about those ancient tribes that uh, were in this land before uh, pre-colonization, essentially. Mm -hmm. So you have more of that similar architecture with the brown stone do you know the name what is that material call it the like the it's like the brown clay stone whatever it is but i think everybody probably knows like the the mesoamerican style of architecture is sort of framing these screens and you would have these images of actors portraying the ancient tribes doing their dances and sort of wearing the authentic looking clothing and showing you what the Aztecs and other tribes were like back hundreds of years ago, again, pre-colonization. Yeah. Very ceremonial, very somber, but yes. but in a in a cool, reverent way. I, I I always was captured by it. Yeah, it's very like classic Epcot to me of you know, just this serious sort of look at a culture but done through beautiful storytelling and, and mm -hmm. visuals. So from there, we open up to the post-colonization age, you know, sort of the 
more traditional Mexican culture where that was born in the 15, 16, 1700s. And this is, again, a celebration of uh, Dia de los Muertos with a full festival going on. So you're getting all of the, the, the face paint and the costumes and the dresses and the sombreros and the dancing and the music and all of that. And it, it, this scene evokes uh, It's a Small World yes. because the characters are very, very doll-like and it's very colorful and you see the pinatas and little fireworks and it's, it's very cute, very whimsical. So that's a lot of fun. You're seeing those doll-like uh, characters doing all sorts of traditional Mexican celebratory things and you're seeing, like I said, the pinata and the sombreros and the instruments and the sort of marketplace and town square of the colonial era of Mexico, and that's a lot of fun. And then you sort of, from there, things uh, tunnel again, right? You, you yeah. head into this little tunnel where you're, you're transported now to more a more modern age of Mexico. So you are seeing the sort of beaches, and you're seeing a little bar in a relaxing beach vacation town or whatever it is. You see these cliff divers yeah. <laughs> and that sort of thing. And these are again on screens that are surrounded by a slightly more modern Mexican architecture and, and design style. And then that kind of leads you into the finale, which, oh, actually, before I say that, my favorite bit there was going by the, the vendor. Yeah, the, the marketplace. The, the, so you're in this marketplace, a, a more, mo- more modern marketplace. And you've got this street vendor who is sort of following the boat across a couple of different screens. And it's just kind of fun. It really mimics the idea of being, you know, in a in a hustle and bustle city where everybody is bartering and you got everybody selling their wares. And this one guy is trying, really trying hard yeah, he's to... Heckling. Yeah, he's heckling. Yeah, he's just like harassing you a little bit. But I always found that fun. Uh, and then that leads into the finale, which now we're in Mexico City. And there is a... Full celebration going on once again. This one has fireworks and dancing. And you have these uh, Mexican marionettes sort of dancing around in this gazebo. And that's your big finale. And I love the murals in this final scene. It's very... This, to me, is very representative of Epcot. Just like these modern buildings. And the murals are just so beautifully made. And, And I hope that they last a long time because... They're just, I don't know, you feel like you're in a city and it reminds me of Spaceship Earth and it reminds me of uh, all of the other future worlds. It's, it's almost like it ties into future worlds. Like here's this modern Mexico that we all are celebrating. We honor our past, but we celebrate our future. It's just, it's very poetic. Absolutely, absolutely. So what could be more poetic than forcing an IP into this <laughs> that has very little to do with it? But Honestly, I think there are some some changes that I enjoy in the new version. There are some that I think are a little forced and, and take away from, from that beautiful story that was there in place from the beginning. Yeah. But so the current version of the attraction is the Grand Fiesta Tour starring the Three Caballeros, which is a bit of a stretch since of the Three Caballeros, yes, Panchito is from Mexico, but Jose is from Brazil and Donald is from Hollywood, as it says on his business card in Saludos Amigos, which, which we <laughs> recently watched. I guess I'll let that slide for the purposes of this conversation, but uh, you know we'll talk about this probably after. But I think that now we have a more accurate and authentic Mexican character that this could pivot towards. But uh, in Coco, but yeah. but at the time, 2007 was when this happened. The three Caballeros were the best they got, so <laughs> so they were sort of wedged into this attraction. Um, 
the mechanism's still the same, the track is still the same, much of the backgrounds are still the same, but those screens that were there, they, they clearly didn't have a lot of budget to redo this, so it's really the screens are where the most changes happened, right. and the soundtrack. So the actual physical parts of the ride are very much, largely untouched. There's, mm -hmm. there's not a whole lot that's touched, so I still enjoy all of that stuff that was there from the beginning is still there, so I still do enjoy that. Um, the scenes of the sort of ancient civilizations are replaced by scenes of the three Cavalieros as they are, I guess, on vacation in Mexico, and Donald has slipped off and gone missing, and the other two are, are looking for him everywhere, and you're seeing sort of a more modern Mexico throughout, I'd say, at least in this beginning part and the end part. So you're seeing, like, you know, the beachside resorts and the Mexican restaurants and things like that as Donald is running around um, as a tourist sort of just on the loose through through Mexico. Mm -hmm. um, then we get to the festival scene, which is essentially the same, right? There's a couple of changes, and the music is different. It's now the Three Caballeros song, but it's a nice arrangement of it. They do have a cute little uh, pinata yeah. that is Donald, <laughs> and, you know, they're, they're hitting it, and it's just... It ties into the kind of silly, rough... Uh, humor that is the rest of the ride. Yeah. Don Donald getting injured, you know. Right. Like slapstick. He, well, earlier he, you know, they're looking for for Donald at the restaurant, and they say, "Have you seen a duck?" And they, you know, open a um, what's the word? The cloche. The cloche, <laughs> and and there's a roasted duck underneath, and you know, it's that kind of humor. Um, and then like you're you're uh, implying the. Um, cliff diving scene you know donald yeah. tries his luck at cliff diving and ends up bouncing all over the place like so a it, pinball so it's very cartoony i'd say a lot of the the additions are cartoony yeah. and i you know i have to assume that they did some kind of survey and the kids said they were bored so it's like okay i'll put some cartoon characters in it's not the worst overlay ever but it um you know it definitely takes away from the sort of initial majesty of the culture that was once there right in the finale, in the Mexico City scene, we still have the fun fireworks and a lot of the fun murals are still there yep. as well. But now we have the three Caballeros animatronics performing on a stage, which I think are wonderful animatronics. That's the biggest physical change. And So fun fact on those. Yep. Maybe you were going to say this, but... They weren't there originally? Or... No. So oh. these animatronics were added in 2015. And originally, they came from the Mickey Mouse Review. Oh, that's right. From 1971 to 1980. They then made their way over to Tokyo Disneyland for many years. Yeah. And then made their way back to the States for a D23 Expo. And from there, were brought back to Walt Disney World. I totally forgot about that. Yeah, that was in a, a show that performed, or I don't know, performed, but that was where Mickey's Filler Magic is today. And then end up being an opening day, I believe, attraction for Tokyo Disneyland. Yeah. And now they're back here. So that's, I love when they reuse stuff like that. It's always fun. And they should. I mean, yeah. you go through the trouble of making these incredible, especially animatronics. I mean, I would think that you would always want to come up with a way to reuse those. But yeah. that no, said. They often, they often do, but not always. Not always. Who <laughs> Like the Ellen's Energy Adventure animatronics. Yeah, I'm not sure what that was about. <laughs> And I'm still checking eBay for either maybe the Humphrey Bogart or the Harrison Ford animatronic yeah. from Great Movie Ride. Be a I nice mean, addition him. to our home. Yeah, he gets to sit right over there in the corner, just Humphrey Bogart hanging out. Yeah, you know? keep us company while we're home alone all the time. <laughs> Occasionally his head just turns and looks uh. at you. 
Um, so that's, I guess, a good overview of the attraction there. Yeah, I'm really the feeling like I'm, I've am i gone through it in my mind. So I don't, you're probably hungry then at this point. Very. You know, we've, we've ridden the ride. We've walked around the shops. Actually, let's take one, one stroll across the street before we head into a restaurant. Okay. So just... We kind of talked about the one side of the attraction, uh, sorry, one half of the pavilion. The other half is on the lagoon side. This one's got a little bit more of the desert architecture versus the jungle yeah. of the pyramid side. And so you'll see more of like the terracotta and this um, tile and, and different sorts of architecture than you'll see in the more ancient leaning side of things. And there's a shop over there as well, which is fun. And I love walking through the area when there's the mariachi band coming out. Mariachi Cobre. Yes. Um, They'll go inside the pavilion as well sometimes. Yeah, I love that when they just sh kind of show up. And I, I know there is some kind of schedule, but you know, usually you're not paying attention to that for something like this. So it's always fun when they, all of a sudden you hear those trumpets and guitars spring up and it, you really just get transported right away. It's so... It's so bold, and you can't help. Yeah, to Tommy's point, you just can't help but pause and just watch them because it is so. Their sound, for for anyone who plays an instrument, their sound is so tight, mm. and that's true of all Epcot musicians, I would say, just because they've been playing together for so long. But it's just they're so talented. Absolutely, absolutely. Um... Yeah, and I really feel like being in that area, you're just attacked at a, by all senses in a, yeah. good, in a good way, especially when they're playing. So you get the music, you get the sights and the sounds and the smells yeah. of just walking through a Mexican town, really. It's, it's, it's really cool. So we love food. It's time to talk about food. Let's do it. Where do you want to start? Well, I'll just start by saying that Mexican food is probably my favorite cuisine of all. And um, something to keep in mind is that the cuisine at the Mexico Pavilion airs on the side of authentic. So if you are a Tex-Mex person, I think through the years they have become a little more accommodating to that. But um, just know that it's going to be more authentic than, you know, your chimichanga. This ain't Taco Bell. Yeah, exactly. So I don't know if this is if this pavilion has more restaurants and stands and the others it does it has the most for okay sure. I, I i didn't research this and prep for this but i remember on a Diz quiz episode i had a question i was like which has the most something and this has five total five locations. total yeah. which includes two sit-down restaurants a quick service and two stands that are primarily for margaritas and alcohol but they also sell snacks Yep, so where do you want to start? Do you want to start with the, the stands and kind of work our way up? Sure. Okay, so the first one you'll probably encounter if you're coming from Future World is the Choza de, Margar uh, Choza yep. de Margarita. Choza de Margarita. Fun fact for those who run Disney or those who are not familiar with run Disney, uh, during the marathon, the course, huh. um, based on like how long the marathon takes, like World Showcase is open. Uh, for a lot of the <laughs> for a lot of the race, yeah. So something that's a lot of people like to do is uh, when they're you know you're you're a half mile from the finish line. Once you're at the Mexico Pavilion, you've gone all through the parks at this point. A lot of people like to celebrate the end of their marathon 
by purchasing a margarita at the Choza de Margarita stand <laughs> while they're still, you know, they're still on the clock. They're still running yeah, the their race. The finish line is in the parking lot of Epcot. So right. you still got that last stretch through Future World to get there. But So they want to celebrate before they even cross the finish line. And oftentimes you'll see the margarita in their hands when they cross the finish line. And I couldn't do it. I I don't even think it was open by the time I was going around, but I was just so exhausted. I couldn't imagine. <laughs> oh yeah, well I was watching you when you did the full marathon. I was watching you in Future Worlds at the end there. And I did see people coming through like <laughs> sort of the center of Future World, the plaza, you know, between World Showcase and Spaceship Earth, just holding that, you know, that colorful margarita glass. Pretty funny. Oh my God. Pretty funny sight. But yeah, you look pretty gassy. Yeah, I don't think you- <laughs> You didn't even hear me. I was screaming for you. You didn't even hear me. Yeah. <laughs> I, was, I was laser focused on crossing the finish line. So. <laughs> also, shout out to the couple that jumped off the course at that point to do their soar and fast pass. Oh, and, my and God. And then got back onto the course. That was hilarious. Um, so, yeah. So, Chosa, Mar- Chosa del Margarita. Sorry. Chosa de Margarita. Yes. Has their signature margaritas. Mm-hmm. Their frozen margaritas. They've got beer. And then they have a few snacks, like you said. I can attest to the margaritas being very delicious. And uh, if you prefer a stronger margarita, I would say opt for the non-frozen, but true margarita drinkers probably know that already. Frozen would be good for the Florida heat, though. Absolutely. That's a, that's a good cool Oh, down. yeah, it's perfect. You got to drink it fast, though, because yes. it'll melt on you. Yes. But you know what? Get one and bring it inside. Are you allowed to bring it inside? Yeah. Yeah, I think so, right? Yeah, and that is one thing I love about the Mexico Pavilion. One of the many things is that if it's a hot day, the second you yeah. go through that foyer, that air conditioning is blasting. Yeah. So that's a good escape. Absolutely. So they've also got some snacks there. So I wrote down a few of them. The Tacos al Pastor, the Tostadas, and the Empanadas, Yum. and the Guac. I think we've had a couple of those at Food and Wine and stuff like that. So those are really tasty. Uh, then inside, speaking of margaritas and tequilas and things, you've got the one, the only one we haven't experienced yeah. is La Cava del Tequila. And this is cool because it's tucked into the side. This is a more recent addition, probably about 10 years ago. Yeah, um, maybe even less. Maybe even less. And if you walk in, it's on the right side and you can almost miss it. You can almost be not be sure what it is, but it is this cool little tequila bar. And I feel like it's always packed when I'm there. Always packed and very small. So yeah. You have like almost no hope of getting in if at a certain hour of the day. Right, and I'm not a huge tequila person, so I've just I've always walked up to it and been like, oh, this looks cool, but I just don't have it in me to, to fight my way through this line or whatever. It and entails. I I actually that tequila is my cocktail of choice, but even still, like uh, taking a shot of tequila is, <laughs> is not my first choice. You gotta sip it. Do they have some nice mezcal there? You can sip. Oh. For those who don't know what mezcal tastes like, it is smoky battery acid. No, it's better than that. It is so strong. It's very strong, but it's got the agave flavor to it. <laughs> it's pretty good. Yeah, if squeeze you mask some, it with other Squeeze some lime in it, you're good to go. Um, so yeah, that's kind of a review there. We don't really have first-hand experience. The lighting in there is very cool. Yeah. It's, it's still very dark, but some up lighting makes it kind of a warm glow. Yep. So yep. very cool. Can't wait to try it someday. Yeah, we'll get around to that. So then let's go across the street out to Cantina de San Angel. Yeah. 
which um, everything is sent in hell and these three last ones we're going to talk about, which makes it slightly confusing. It but, is. But this is, yeah, especially if you're like, oh, we're trying to go to San and hell and like that could be one of three different places. Right, right. <laughs> uh, but this one is the quick service. So that's sort of on the closer side to future worlds yep. on the lagoon. And here you will find things like tacos, empanadas, you'll find a grilled chicken dish, you'll find nachos, a guacamole. And they've also got kids' meals there, so they can get their kind of uh, kid versions of those things. And this, to me, is one of the top quick service places, if not in Epcot, then in all Walt Disney World, I'd say. Yeah, so when we were growing up, my mom and I, we would do a, a morning at Hollywood Studios, but we never really liked any of the lunch places there um, until I discovered sci-fi. But, you know, even then, you need a reservation for that. So what we would do is take the boat over to Epcot and then have lunch at Cantina because we yeah. love Mexican food and we were willing to, you know, make the trek and it was always so delicious. So it really became like a family um, tradition every trip. Yeah, for sure. And then another time, another way I would experience it too is we would get to Epcot in the morning do future worlds for a few hours and by the time you hit you by the time you're done you're starving and ready to get into world showcase right. and it's the first thing it's the first quick service closest to future world so you kind of make your way there and you start your world showcase journey there again going to the left and it's you know perfect way to kick things off so <laughs> for those disney fans who are seasoned and know what i'm talking about i used to always get the dish called the plato combinacion and it was a chicken taco, a beef enchilada, and a fried cheese quesadilla. And it came with a side of black beans and fresh tomato salsa. And my mouth is watering just thinking about this. Sounds good. And so the menu has evolved since then a little bit. But, I mean, those are the mainstays. They, they yeah. pretty much They've got similar, similar. things. Yeah. yeah, it's just they just kind of mix and match things a little differently. So let's stick... There, let's go next door to La Hacienda de San Angel. Which is the newest restaurant. Yes, at, at the Villain, yep. Um, what does Hacienda mean? Oh. I forget. I used to know. I'll look it up. Why don't you describe this sort of awesome atmosphere and architecture here in this restaurant? Yeah, so I will say um, we will cover, of course, both, uh, both seated uh, dining uh, opportunities in the Mexico Pavilion, but just know that both of these restaurants offer dining packages for things like the Candlelight Processional. So um, we have taken advantage of that a few times and had dinner at La Hacienda for like the 4.30 p.m. time slot yeah. in an effort to get into our seats at, for Candlelight and all that. But it's such a beautiful restaurant and similar to the view that you get at the cantina and the outdoor seating, you have indoor seating, view of the lagoon, beautiful, especially beautiful during sunset, you know, twilight that time. But um, similar fare, seated, a little more elegant upscale. You can get your um, meat entrees, but you can also get the fresh guacamole, the delicious cocktails, um, the tacos, if you're um, a little more picky and, and things like that. Um, yeah. So I kind of forgot to mention there, uh, like you just mentioned briefly, the, the great views you can get at 
both of these restaurants yeah. on the lagoon and especially if you can time it with the fireworks which i never managed to do but this one has these big tall windows yeah. very much built with that in mind that people are going to want to be getting that great lagoon view they've got these great um blinds that can come down yep. so it can block out that hot floridian sun but then at night once the sun goes down they open the shades and you've got a great view of the lagoon and the fireworks yeah so update on the word hacienda i put it into google translate and it said tax authorities <laughs> uh, but then i put it into google and we've got that uh, hacienda in spanish america is a large landed estate one of traditional institutions of rural life so it's sort of a you know, kind of a big mansion estate sort of thing. So I, I guess you really get a little bit of that as you walk into that lobby area. It's all very, I don't know, the sort of upscale estate. So I get that. Yeah, and um, in keeping with other, I would say, modern Walt Disney World resort architecture and theming, it is very reminiscent of the new Coronado Tower. Yeah, oh, great point. Yep, yep. So lanterns, that golden hue, the tile, yeah, very yeah. beautiful. Yep. So yeah, you were saying some of the dishes that I wrote down a few more that um, the sort of larger dishes I think is the big attraction here. If you want to get like a Mexican style steak, if you want yeah. to get, I really like the mole chicken that Ooh. I've gotten there. Is really good if you like mole sauce, and they got a bunch of uh, fish dishes as well. So that's the kind of thing you're getting there. But they do have the, the tacos, like you said. Yeah, so I would say it's probably of all of the um, of all the fair, this is probably the most elevated of the five places. Yeah, I'd say it's borderline fancy, yeah. but like still, it's in a theme park still. So you're not, you know, it's not like you, you feel yeah, stuff. You, it's not stuffy in there, but... You can wear your park clothes and sure. not feel embarrassed. But you also might pay $40 for an entree. So yeah. just like be ready for that. <laughs> So let's head inside to one of my favorite atmospheres of any restaurant. We, I think we've gone over this before a couple times we mentioned. I'm sure. I'm sure, but, uh, you know, we said it towards the beginning, but the quote-unquote open-air San Angel Inn, which is inside the Plaza de Amigos. Did I say that right? Plaza de los Amigos. Plaza de los Amigos is one of the coolest places you can eat at. It really is. I mean... Very similar to Disneyland and the Blue Bayou and the Pirates of the Caribbean attraction. Where else can you eat a meal and watch the attraction go by on a riverboat? It's just so cool. And if you get one of those coveted tables up against the railings, up against the river, like there is one corner uh, table for two that is up against the railing, up against the river, the closest you can get. My dad and I have been fortunate enough to have that table a couple times, and it is just, I mean, we feel like we hit the lottery. Yeah, absolutely. And the way that it's always nighttime in there, it's always twilight, and every table has a candle. It's very just, I don't know, it's, it's, it can be romantic, it can be relaxing, it can be just a good escape. It's, it's really kind of the best of Disney dining atmosphere. Yeah, and it's very dark. I will say. So for yeah. those who are a little uh, visually impaired in the dark, um, I, I think to look at a menu, maybe you pull out your phone and yeah. make sure you have your glasses because uh, <laughs> it's gotten, I, I don't know, you still have like a light at your table, but yeah. um, they really want you to feel like you're eating al fresco. Yep, absolutely. So the menu there, I was looking over it again. I would say this is the least authentic of the of the menus just 
just because it seems like it's more like very Mexican inspired versions of, of dishes that you're probably familiar with? I would say it used to be more authentic in the past, but I'm sure people over time, I don't know about they necessarily complained, but um, I, I noticed that fan favorites have crept up on the menu in recent years, like enchiladas. Yeah. Ta- I mean, you can basically get a taco at any of these yes, places. And yeah, I don't want to say that it's like unauthentic cooking, but I think that what they did was they took authentic ways of cooking and kind of combined them with a dish that you might be familiar with so that yeah. you're more willing to try it. Like they have like a Caesar salad thing as, a, as well, an Caesar entree. Caesar salad is Mexican. I guess that's Mexican. Yeah, it, it originated in Mexico, actually. That's right. Oh, did it really? Yeah. I didn't know that. I always thought it uh, originated in ancient Rome. <laughs> <laughs> well, there you go. So maybe I'm a little off on that. But I just did notice that it was like more like, hey, here's a steak, but it's Mexican. Here's yeah. chicken, but it's Mexican. Versus like trying to overwhelm you with, with words that, like some Spanish words that... You're like, oh, I don't know if I want to try that. So it's like, yeah, you know what this is. It's just we're doing it in a Mexican way. I find um, oftentimes when I eat there, because, again, I'm obsessed with Tex-Mex food. They have the tacos and things, but I like to order um, more like the carne asada. And I ask for a side of tortillas so that I can kind of make my own fajitas. Um, But, yeah, it's a lot of that. Like, you're not... You're not going to get a side of tortillas unless you ask for them, sort of thing. Yeah. Uh, I have to make a correction. I, I misread my notes, and here's where I got the mole chicken. was mm. at Silent Hill. So, mm-hmm. uh, and this has got this poblano pepper with it, too. That's really yeah. good. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So. so, they, I mean, they have some authentic dishes, but it's... Uh, it's a little more user-friendly than it used to be. Yeah, I think, like I said, it's it's authentic ingredients, authentic methods, but I think just the way they sort of word and, and position the menu is to make people feel more comfortable yeah. not, if you're not used to this sort of thing. Yeah. All right. So the last thing, I mean, did you have anything else to add there or anything else we missed? I got one more thing that might be a nice way to wrap it up. But I'm just thinking about food now. Yeah, yeah. So we got to go eat lunch soon. But <laughs> I think the last thing I wanted to talk about is how the festivals that happen throughout the year sort of uh, – function in Mexico and I yeah. think they take things up even one more notch Absolutely. so just to run through that quickly obviously and during the Food and Wine Festival you add a sixth dining <laughs> location because it's got its own booth where they got other things and some of them are similar to what you'll see at the Choza stand but so that's always fun to get just to be able to grab and go one little Mexican thing like Gina said that's her favorite type of food it's one of my favorites for sure so I'd love to grab the tostada yep. from there um during the Flower and Garden Festival, you have the topiaries of the Three Caballeros they've mm-hmm. done in, in recent years. During the Festival of the Arts, there was a fun Frida Kahlo tribute, like photo op. Oh, cool. With some of her art, of course, the famed Mexican artist Frida Kahlo. And then during the Festival of the Holidays, you've got Feliz Navidad. So they're kind of um, telling you how Christmas is done in Mexico. So those are all like done really well in a really great way to take an already fantastic pavilion and take it up one more notch. I mean, Mexican culture is beautiful. It's vibrant. It's celebratory of life. And I can't think of a better way to honor that than at Epcot. <laughs> yeah. And like I was saying about it being the first one there, being our neighbor, I think it makes so much sense because like we do share a border and those are the only, you know, there's only two countries where 
continental U.S. shares a border, yeah. and we share so much culture with those two countries. So it is sort of the most natural way to enter into international travel, right? Cause it's like, oh, we know so much of this because we are neighbors. Like, so much of their culture has mixed into ours and, and vice versa. So it's really wonderful to be fully entrenched in that. And that's the Mexico Pavilion. Yeah, I, I love all, I love interacting with all of the people who work there and it's just so pleasant. And I would say that this is absolutely my favorite pavilion, but I know we still have many to go through. Yeah, there's a few others that I think are in the conversation and very much looking forward to continuing this journey. I think we're going to continue going in the uh, clockwise direction around. All right, that, that sounds sound, good. That sounds good. Might not be, we might have some others in between. We might, you know, not be, it's not going to necessarily be the next 10 episodes, but we will make our way through all 11 pavilions and then probably more of Epcot over the coming months and beyond. Can't wait. All right, so until next time, where can people find and keep up with you on social media and the internet? Yeah, so I have my own blog, willrunfordisney.com. You can find me on Instagram at willrunfordisneyblog. And I'm also on Facebook, Twitter, and Pinterest. And of course, follow the Diz Quiz on Instagram for the most part. You'll see me tweeting and Facebooking sometimes as well. But Instagram's the best spot to keep up with everything I'm doing. And then the fun Disney posts I'm putting up, including the March Magic Tournament that's going on right now my Instagram uh, account. So be sure to check that out. Nice. And then, of course, check out the Flylist iPhone app. I'll put a link in the description to all of this. But that is my app that lets you log and track everything there is to do in Walt Disney World, including all the things at the Mexico Pavilion, <laughs> <laughs> of which there are many. Perfect. So. So until next time, I've been Tommy T. And I'm Gina. We will see you real soon. Adios. Adios, amigos. Adios.